On episode 20 of the Bet the Process podcast, we'll be talking about what bettors who are holding Alabama futures tickets should do going into the college football championship. We'll be talking about the narratives and the Bill Simmons manifesto on what to do when you bet your NFL playoff games. We'll be doing and recapping our bowl, man versus machine. Uh, spoiler alert, Rufus owes me a steak dinner. And we'll be doing man versus machine going through every single uh, NFL wild card game. Obviously, there's only four, so I don't know why I'm making it seem like there's a lot. As always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app. It is the best app to track sports gambling scores and po- um, latest lines and get gambling information. Um, as Barstool Big Cat says, it's the best sports app for the sports gambler. It's not even close. So with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode 20 of the Bet the Process podcast featuring Jeff Ma and Rufus, who I'm not going to say your last name this week so that I avoid mashing it and killing it as I always do. Um, where are you right now? I am in Morocco, in Marrakesh, Morocco. Oh, wow. Delightful. Yeah. It's I'm done with Europe and two months in Africa, then six months in South America. I traveled all around the Middle East and North Africa probably about six six or seven years ago. Loved it. Um, but the one place that I got food poisoning was in Morocco. So be careful really? because sample size of one, it says that there's a lot of food poisoning in Morocco. So well, I ate a careful. turkey sandwich yesterday that, that cost $1.50. And I saw the guy take the raw turkey and put it on the grill with his bare hands and then make a little salad for me that went in the sandwich. So, yeah. Although that happened in Bulgaria, too, with the guy handling raw chicken for kebabs and then, you know, grabbing the lettuce and all that other stuff. Are you going to... I've done okay so far, though. No food poisoning yet. Are you going to eat turkey in Turkey? That'd be cool. It would be cool. If I could go to Turkey, that would be cool. (laughs) All right. Let's start with uh, this week in futures. Um, As always, we'll start with college. There's only two teams left, obviously. Uh, What I want to talk about today is... The concept of hedging, I know you've said before, like you don't believe in hedging unless the hedge bet actually has value um, in itself um, or you believe there's some advantage in that in that bet. But I think it's interesting given what we said, you know, we we definitely touted um, and pushed the idea of Alabama um, going into championship weekend at I think there were anywhere better than plus 500. You could get them most places. Um, and I assume that you, just like me, are holding you know Alabama plus 500 tickets, um, and you're probably hand, holding some better. I, I, I don't know, but what what do you want to do with this position? Um, are you just going to sit on it? Like what? How do you look at the the championship game um, in terms of whether there's an opportunity to hedge here? Obviously, there's a there's a great opportunity to hedge um, if you're just looking to sort of lock in value at this point. You know, actually, I don't have a big position on Alabama at all just because the odds were so low the entire season, basically, even though there was value. And, and I do have some position, but not nearly the position I had on teams like, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Ohio State, or even like Auburn or TCU. But 
Uh, regarding hedging, I, as you said, I don't like to hedge unless the other bet is positive EV on its own or, or break even. I guess if I if I had a very big position and it was a big part of my bankroll, um, then yeah, maybe. And I can obviously understand somebody who put, you know, has a lot riding on on this um, and doesn't really want to deal with that variance, uh, you know, buying out. But in this particular situation where I give Alabama a 65% chance to win, I don't see any value uh, on the hedge at all. So let's let's explore that um, opportunity where maybe this is a recreational better um, who is sort of trying to uh, enjoy the game without having too much variance, like you said, and wants to capture some of that value. Would you bet the spread? Would you bet the money line on Georgia? Is which which has sort of less? I mean, which are you giving away less value on? I guess is the question. Let's see. The spread right now looks like it's three and a half to Bama, and the money line. I'm just looking at Pinnacle um, minus one seventy five plus one fifty five at the moment. I, as I said, I make the game sixty five point four percent for Alabama, which corresponds to a money line of. Uh, minus 189. However, I want to regress that to the to the market a little bit as well. Um, so, I mean, basically, what I'm saying is I don't think either of them are great. Um, I don't know off the bat. I, I don't have my handy dandy money line conversion chart right in front of me, uh, so I don't know actually if that is. I don't know the memorized whether that's going to be um, that plus three and a half. It reduced juice to be better or worse than the plus 155 actually. So you don't really have an opinion? No, I, I don't have an opinion. I mean, <laughs> you're not, this you're point, not very I mean, helpful for the record. I know, you know, it, tomato, tomato at this point. It's it, they're, Neither of them are good bets on their own, but, you know, if, if you want to lock in a profit and you have a lot of Alabama tickets, then it makes sense. So I'd say go ahead. But the other thing you have to deal with if you're a recreational better doing this or if you're any better doing this is um, mentally the possibility of regret either way. I feel like if you if you hedge out, and Alabama wins, you'd be like kicking yourself for doing that. And if you don't hedge out, and Alabama loses, you'll kick yourself for for hedging out. You know, it's it, yeah. it can be tough psychologically. And I think a lot of the time, that's why I kind of trust the process and 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 don't. If I only will hedge if I have a positive EV bet, then I don't actually have to make a decision at each point. The decision makes itself, and then I don't really have any psychological regret to deal with. And I know we sort of gloss over the whole psychological aspect, but if you're doing this, you know, there. You know, your your mental well being is is important. I mean, I don't, I don't. That's my point. I, I with when I've had these fights with Furman is like I don't gloss over the mental regret part at all. I, the mental part is one of the re, one of the things that's challenging. And I think that you know he the thing that frustrates me about what Furman writes is that he comes at this from like a high horse standpoint, where he talks as if he is like this very chi centered uh, professional better who has all the mental aspects of this mastered. I can say that after all the time that I've been doing this, like I don't either have this mental, you know, thing mastered. Like there, there's moments um, in time where there are still emotional things that like kick in for me. And like you said, like having some real guidelines where you only bet things that are positive EV for you, or you only hedge out in positive EV. That's the best way to avoid the mental regret part of this. Um, but I, I do think this is an interesting question. 
Um, because I think that hopefully some of our listeners are holding these plus 500 Alabama tickets. Um, your advice, it sounds like, would be just to, to let it ride because you've, you have such a big advantage here um, that you don't want to like give up any of that. Um, because and and the, the line and the odds that you're getting are are not valuable. Now, if I had said to you like, okay, the line's six and a half, and it's much closer to you could get plus one seventy or something like that, it sounds like your advice might be slightly different. Well, I wouldn't take plus one seventy on Georgia anyway. If that was the going market number and the line was six and a half, as you said, but I, I think. The, the diff- more difficult part would be saying if you had a little bit of value on Georgia, let's say you had like, you know, a 0.1% edge, how much would you hedge out? That That's the more difficult question, in my opinion, when you when you do have a hedging situation, how much do you want to do it for? Well, isn't wouldn't you want to at that point then do it for, you know, basically a break even at that point? Because if you can put on a bet at that point, you're you're basically like completely reducing your variance. And, yeah, you know, I would think that that to me, that would be pretty simple um, unless you had like, again, this is the emotion part of it, unless, you you know, you want to watch the game and, and have some incentive on the game and have some something riding on the game. Um, no, that's a good point, you, because because if, if the hedge itself is a positive EV bet and you're reducing your variance then you should bet as much as you can to reduce you know where you're still reducing the variance you know i often call you a robot but do you you know would you use the fact that you're going to be let's say you were happen to be going to this game right would you use the fact that you're going to this game and say like well i want to have something riding on this game influence your decision about like how much to hedge in a situation like that yeah you know i might because I mean, I guess you did bet it, on that the U.S. Right, soccer game when you were going to it, so I think we know you're not a complete robot. I, I did, and, and I want I, I want an incentive to watch the game. And so if if it's, especially if it's like a break-even hedge, yeah, I would maybe hedge out a little less so that I have something to watch, you know, some reason to watch the game. Yeah, because it'll increase my variance, but probably also increase my fun. So why do you think that your value here is on Alabama? I know it's been all year but where do you think that this is coming from? Obviously, markets tend to become more efficient. Um, Georgia was overvalued by the market last week in, in the Oklahoma game. Um, from what your numbers said, Bama was obviously Were undervalued. Really? Um, what's that? Were they really? Georgia? Yeah, you had. You, that's why. That's why you had um, Oklahoma in that game, and I had Georgia. And oh, I won. Was- and I won our bowl contest, but we'll get to that later. It was a very slight, slight edge, um, though, yes. Right, but but the market moved it from Oklahoma favored to Georgia favored, and your numbers... What, what I guess what I'm asking is, is this a case of Georgia being overrated, a case of um, Alabama being underrated, and, and where is this coming from? This Is this coming from priors? Is this coming from... Because, you know, like, the, the knock on Bama will still be, like, they, they haven't played that tough a schedule compared to, you know, Georgia potentially, right? Well, Alabama's, yeah, yeah, I guess they haven't played that tough a schedule because they didn't have to play the SEC championship game, but they've still played a, a pretty tough schedule. I mean, yes, it's not Georgia's schedule, but they've also been dominant in, in their wins. And I think Alabama's, the problem is Alabama's kind of boring. They're, they're really good every year. And, and if it was, if this, if it wasn't Alabama, if it was another team that was playing this well, everybody would be talking about how great they were, but but it's just, they're like this every uh, every year, and I think 
Um, uh, you know, I, I can't speak to why the market is at three and a half instead of uh, five and a half where I think it should be, but it, it's close enough that there really isn't much value at all. I, I mean, I'm not going to have a bet on, on the game unless the line drops considerably. Like what were your three. game grades um, last week? Uh, was, was, you know, how much better was, did you do those? How much better was Alabama than Clemson? Because to my, to my raw eye, um, that game was was closer than because I, I mean Alabama just didn't do much offensively. Um, obviously they did enough to win, but that game really really turned on two turnovers uh, by right. Clemson. The pick so six. I'm wondering, what's up? The pick six. Well, also I mean Clemson was going was driving had the ball at the Alabama thirty um, when they threw a you know when when Bryant got hit. And threw the pick to the big guy who ran it back to say the 40. And then they called that horse collar, that horse shit horse collar that gave them, you know, the ball, the Clemson 25 yard line. Um, and then even that touchdown would seem like very clear offensive pass interference to me. Um, and, it, you know, they, they got this, you know, and this is, is someone who was rooting for Alabama because I had Alabama tickets, but I, I didn't come away that impressed with Alabama from that game. Certainly their defense was great. Um, I haven't watched a ton of Clemson this year, so I'm not sure if, you know, I think that Clemson is much more one-dimensional than obviously than they were last year. And so it, it was an easy situation once Alabama uh, got up for them to just go after Bryant and just pin their ears back. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't come away that impressed. And, and that's like, totally non-analytical that was just the eye test um so i was just curious what your game grade said you know i haven't actually run them yet i, I just actually today ran the revised message buddy ratings just because i knew that things wouldn't change by much and i didn't really foresee any value on this game anyway and i was basically right but i mean to your point i think that alabama doesn't they never look that pretty they, they just get things done they're just they're in workmanlike fashion it's and yeah, they, you know, had some luck with turnovers, but I'll, I'll say this: their ratings still improved. Uh, both their and Georgia's ratings improved. I think Alabama's jumped up a little bit more, but um, Clemson's a good team. I mean, I, 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 I also didn't watch the game. I didn't. Uh, it was at one thirty a.m. Moroccan time, so I, I watched the first half of the Oklahoma Georgia game, and I'm very disappointed that I went to sleep and did not see the second half because it looked like quite a game. It was one of the best football games I've ever seen in my life. I mean, did you have any bets on that second half? Uh, no, no, yeah, we had the under. Ah, I had I had Georgia second half and the under there, so I was happy with that. And I had uh, well, you lost. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, I didn't have the under. Just Georgia second half. Alabama game. I had, um, I had Bama second half and the under. So, so I'll take my three and zero on second halves in those uh, in those games. Crazy. It's interesting that you had Bama. We had, we actually had Clemson, so we went zero and two that day. Interesting. Um, and it was a two and a half. It was two and a half um, on what was a what a three and a half point game. So your your mo- second half model must be doing some different stuff than ours. Um, Let's look. You're not looking at first half. What the fundamentals in the first half and how predictable? Oh, we we are we are. Um, but I think that that was like a big outlier, and there was yeah for us. Um, so, yeah. So Alabama last last week was three. They had three point eight yards per play offensively. Um, That's it. And, yeah. Wow. 
And but they, but they were also playing the game from ahead. Clemson without, had without, just just to tell you how good their defense was, though the Clemson had two point five yards per play offensively. So, yeah, I, I I get it, and Clemson's defense is very good, um, but I don't know. So, so I mean, maybe it wasn't the worst game to miss. No, it wasn't. But the Georgia game was a terrible game for you to miss. Yeah. That was yeah. that was an unbelievable, unbelievable game. Um, yeah. So, all right. So the bottom line on this is, I think you're saying if you're holding an Alabama ticket right now with the line where it is, do not hedge. Um, I am finding a little bit more fault in Alabama and will likely hedge some of uh, my Alabama position. I haven't decided exactly. So let's move on to uh, NFL futures this week in NFL futures. And um, it doesn't, I'm I'm guessing, I'm guessing actually, is there value on the Patriots at plus two Oh nine? Yeah. Yes, there is. Oh, kind of thought there might be. What do you think they what do you make them? Um, I make them plus 160 something. I'm uh, pulling it up. Plus 162. That's exciting. You very seldomly get any sort of value on a on a uh, a favorite of that type this late in the season, right? No, it's very true. And, but this season we've had value on the Patriots and yeah, it's that that number, the plus two hundred nine. Um, that was down at like plus one sixty last week. I feel like so. I, I don't know why the correction. Do you think is there any value? Is there value on any other teams in here? I'm seeing based on the the numbers you sent me. Um, I'm seeing a little bit of value on Tennessee at plus one or at one hundred and sixty five to one. I make them one fifty three to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, that's it really oh actually a little bit on philadelphia but then again you know i, I didn't really know how to treat that, that game last week because they played one quarter of foals and then three quarters of of um uh, former redskin draft pick nate sudfeld who he could hey he had a high completion percentage but i mean i didn't watch that game um you know six nothing like it, it i don't know how much of that was philadelphia not trying or how many starters they didn't have in our you know vanilla scheme resting guys versus how much I should actually dock them for that performance. That that's kind of one of the that and, and same thing with you know the Rams this week, the Chiefs, um, the Steelers. It, it's very difficult. And generally, if they're resting their quarterback like that and resting starters, I kind of am inclined to say let's just not include this game in terms of my ratings. But yeah, but at the same time, I feel like it, maybe with Philadelphia, the fact that they wanted to get Foles um, on track. Or I yeah, but they, they, only played, they only played him but, for a quarter. I mean, right, I, so. I don't think they have quite as much. I don't think they have quite as much doubt in Foles as 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 the market is. I mean, did they you did you see some I mean, of these look ahead lines that like people now think that if when New Orleans plays Philly that they're going to be favored in Philly? Uh, I find know, I that hard to that believe. Argument, but you you do? Wow. Let's see. I mean, I, I would. I have New Orleans rated as a plus five point four and Philly as a plus. Three point, yeah, four. So I mean, I, I could see it being a pick. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess maybe if you see New Orleans come out and slay Carolina, um, and and just play, you know, outstanding and Kamora, who everyone loves, runs all over. You know, maybe you, you see that that sort of trickle down effect. But I think that'll be an overreaction. Like any, I, I think 
when you see in that second round home dogs in that second round, I'd love to see how home dogs perform in the second round. It doesn't happen very often, but I can imagine they perform pretty well. Um, well, I don't know if you can query your handy database and tell me what that is. I could. Um, I, I do think. Yeah, I forgot that Philly also will be coming up to buy, so they'll, they'll get they'll get some uh, some help there. Right. Meaning, so so I do think you're right that, that it would be take a lot for for um, New Orleans to be favored. But if New Orleans does make it there, it means they probably played decently uh, against the Panthers, right? Yeah, but I think I guess what I'm saying is that for a team to be for that road team to be favored there, um, with like you said, with the buy and everything else that that happened, um, you're talking about a pretty big uh, overreaction uh, to what happened during the season, right? Because the team that yes. got the buy clearly outperformed the team that didn't. So unless there are like big injuries. So in this case, like maybe it is just the big injury of, of Wentz versus full folk. And like, if, if we do get to a situation or Foles, if we do get to a situation, um, where that happens, you basically just have to evaluate what you believe to be the difference between Wentz and Foles, um, which we've already talked about in this podcast that we're really bad at. So maybe we got nothing for you. And the other thing is Philadelphia's strength has been their defense largely. So that, that, that's not, um, and that the defense hasn't played well the last few weeks, but that shouldn't have anything to do with Foles. Well, they only gave up six points to Dallas, so isn't that playing pretty well? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> I meant two weeks back, I guess. Two weeks back, and, they and, and the week, two weeks back, it, they well, shut down. Oakland, okay, wait, right? maybe three. Okay, sorry, three weeks back against three the Giants. Three weeks ago, they played the poorly against the Giants. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, that's okay. like oh, that's potentially an outlier, right? Um. Yeah. So. Okay, so then um, I guess what we're saying is there's value in the Patriots at plus 209. If you can get them at plus 200 or better, um, Rufus makes them closer to plus 180. Uh, certainly fun to have a Patriots ticket with value going into the playoffs, um, especially if you're from New England like I am. Um, let's yep, can, I ask, can, I, can I ask you if you have any futures tickets right now for you know pending? Which, uh, in which in teams the, you do? In the pros? Yeah. No, I don't have any. You have nothing? Really? I, got nothing. I don't put a lot of futures positions on until uh, later in the year if okay. I see, until I see value because I don't like to have the capital tied up. So Because your capital is just doing so much more elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Ethereum, I know, baby. I don't know if you've seen Twitter stock lately, but it's going through the roof. I don't know if you've seen cryptos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you own a lot of Bitcoin, right? Uh, Ethereum mostly. I, I sold out most of my Bitcoin when it got up to like uh, that first um, that big spike in early December. Good for you. I, I'm more of a believer in the technology behind Ethereum than Bitcoin. Listen to you. You sound like a Silicon Valley dork. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this week in touts. Um, I wanted to talk. I mean, I won't. You know, obviously Simmons and and Bill Simmons and and. Um, Cousin Sal are not touts. Um, they're definitely not sharps. I don't think they purport themselves to be either. Um, you know, Cousin Sal is very entertaining. He's a hilarious dude. Um, and Simmons is obviously an icon in the industry. But they do talk a lot about betting, you know, manifestos and whatnot. Um, and they were talking a little bit about some of these, like, playoff adages um, 
the idea that teams that it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. And we're obviously seeing that this week um, in the New Orleans Carolina game. Is this something that you know you think about? You look at it all. Um, I, I think I know the answer, but I'm curious to not to not at all. What your take is? I'll Have interrupt you. Ever looked you. at it at all? I, I just did. I, I saw you wrote that on our little uh, our little sheet, and I looked and I saw that those teams teams with that beat their regular season opponent twice and they play them again in the playoffs are nine and four since uh, 2000. So you don't have a large sample size, and they're I think. Um, seven and five against the spread i mean there, there's not really much uh seven and five against the spread i think uh seven five and one i guess but there's just not enough of a sample size to really conclude much most so of the saying- time the team split the vast majority there's been i think 70 in the 70 73 i think number of uh games where you you've had uh, a third matchup between teams in the playoffs and only uh 13 of those have been um well, yeah, there's only been 13 instances where teams won the first two. So when the team split, how does the team that won one game do? Well, you realize that... That was okay. Actually, the team that won... Um, well, it doesn't matter if... I mean, I guess you could go in there and look and see, okay, well, the team that won the first one and lost the second, you know, is, they're doing a lot worse or a lot better. I so remember I looked at it, like, one of them was 33%, the other was, like, 67%, so... You know, you create your narrative there. Okay, let's let's um. I I want to do these uh these like go over some of these manifestos he has. This is back from when he was writing for ESPN. Um, this was his manifesto uh, a while ago. Um, I I love these things, by the way. I, I loved how they changed every year depending on the results. He found an exception. It was like, okay, this is why it didn't work last year. Um, but now we know this, so we'll be. This is a, this is an old one, so I, you know, maybe things have changed since then. But I, it's one that I found from from his days writing with Page Two. Never ever ever back a crappy QB on the road. Well, how do you define a crappy QB? Well, and the bottom line is, if you have a crappy yeah. QB on the road, you're probably getting a lot of points. Um, are there any crappy QBs on the road this week? Um, yeah. you say Mariota is a crappy QB. You certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't say Matt mm-hmm. Ryan is a crappy QB. You wouldn't say Cam is a crappy QB. Um, Tyrod would it? Tyrod? I wouldn't call Tyrod crappy. Yeah. Tyrod's like th- the definition of mediocre. I'd say Mariota is probably the worst right now of those. Wow, you you would take Mariota. You would take Tyrod over Mariota, huh? Did you see him stiff arm that dude? Did you? Simmons on his podcast was asking Sal if they were if they should make anything or take anything away from his stiff arm. Like that stiff arm is a, a harbinger of success for the future. Who, whose stiff arm was this? Mariota stiff arm dude to run in for that touchdown. I mean, I think Mariota has a much much brighter future than Tyrod, but I think Mariota's kind of struggled a bit this like in the later part of the season for sure. Especially on the road, I read some stat about how poor he's been on the road. But at the same time, I, I don't really care about those road home splits. I think most of it's going to be noise. About this rule number two: when in doubt, seek out the popular opinion and go the other way. I kind of like that in general. I mean, it's contrarian. I think in 
you know, if you're, but how do you know that you're getting the popular opinion? Like, do you just, you know, do you go into a Starbucks and you ask like 20 people what they think? That's a good question because that's going to be a popular opinion, but that's not going to relate to the point spread probably. <laughs> so I think these are, you know, these adages are, are useful if you actually could construct them in the way that they're, I think what you're saying is if you were able to like figure out what the general opinion of was against the point spread. So maybe if you use some of those sites that tell you, you know, the, the, the numbers like a, a sports insights or something like that, that it tells you what the betting betting numbers are that may be going in. But that's, Wait, here's my that question like, with that. Isn't that the dumb, you, isn't that the dumb thing that we make fun of people about is like this yes. whole like smart money, dumb money thing. Because the, 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 okay. So they give you this percentage of bets on one side and the percentage of money on one side. Right. But they don't tell you at what price, those bets were coming in, what um, or the money was coming in. So, for example, the uh, Rams 49ers last week it said that all this money was on the 49ers, and that game opened at like four, like Rams minus four and a half, and it closed at San Francisco like minus six or something crazy like that. And so, you know, a lot of that money is coming in at uh, on San Fran as an underdog, and so that doesn't tell you much when San Fran becomes a favorite in terms of whether that's the sharp or the dumb side or where the public is, right? Yeah, that that's my big beef with it. Yeah, I get it. I understand. Um, so let's call that one a wash. <laughs> okay. When in doubt, check out the coaching matchups. Matchups. What do you think if you just bet blindly based on whether you thought someone was a better coach? Who was a better coach? Are you are you then going and saying, okay, always bet against Marvin Lewis in the playoffs because he can never win in the playoffs? Things like that. Um. I think you're saying, like, if you absolutely have to make a bet on a game, you should pick the team that has the better coach. I don't know if that's – that must be irregardless of this point spread. But yeah. the, coaching, coaching match, the coaching matchup theoretically is figured into the point spread because that's not um, non-public information who your coach is. That was my thought as well. You know, I, I don't actually have coaching ratings because so much of it is captured in the metrics. Okay, here's one. And, yeah. Sorry. Ignore final records and concentrate on how the team finished the last five or six games of the season. Yeah. I, I think, if anything, people may be overreacting to the last five or six weeks of the season. I do agree, ignore records, because records can be totally deceiving. You look at a team like um, teams like Jacksonville and Buffalo this year. Well, actually, sorry, Buffalo and Tennessee, who yeah, have only records, negative point differentials, right? And Buffalo was negative by quite a lot. Yeah. So negative seventy something. <laughs> that's that's effing crazy. Seven, you know, I wasn't ne- negative really... fifty seven. Sorry. Although fundamentally, um, adjusting for strength of a potent opponent and everything, potent, um, <laughs> a potent, they actually should only have been negative thirty nine. So they've been a little bit, um, a little bit unlucky there. But still, they're still a playoff team. Somehow. And uh, Tennessee also, yeah. Um, fundamentally should had a, have had a negative uh, point differential as well. And of uh, negative three, they actually were negative 22. So I, I don't really, yes, like more recent performance is more predictive, but it's a lot less predictive, um, or I guess the slope of the, the, the rate of DK performance is a lot um, less steep than people believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so how about... 
only pick a road only pick an underdog or road team if you're convinced it has a chance to win the game outright. Well, doesn't every team have a chance to win any of these games outright in general, even if you're like a 16-point dog? So I guess it comes down to what your interpretation is. And I think that's kind of a bullshit thing anyway, because it depends on what the spread you're getting is too, right? So a bigger spread, like obviously a team's going to be less like, the underdog's going to be less likely to win overall, but it's more likely that they can lose and still cover. So I, I just don't even know what that, that rule means. Beware of the easy two-team teaser on the same day. Well, I, I don't know what one game has to do with the other game, so. There's a higher I mean, being. There's, 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 two, te- there's two teasable games this week, it looks like, Jacksonville and Kansas City. They're not on the same day, so we don't have any real situ- uh, any <laughs> situations that are applicable. But even if, would yeah. you tease? Would you tease Jacksonville and Kansas City? Um, you know, probably not. No, because I don't actually like those sides of the game. If I if I liked those sides, then yes, I would absolutely tease them if I could get minus one ten on a two team teaser rather than uh, playing them straight, or Before, I should say to supplement playing them straight. Before you make your decisions, take one last look at the quarterbacks again. I guess this is saying like quarterbacks are really important. <laughs> I guess so. Um, they touched Trent the ball Dilfer on every did play. Win a Super you know Bowl. They the ball yeah. Ball. Did you know Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl? He did. So did Joe Flacco. Yeah. Didn't Joe Flacco win two? Joe Flacco. Won um, two. I think no, just one. He's elite. Very elite. Who would you want in a uh, winner? You know, winner take all Super Bowl matchup. Would you want Flacco or Eli Manning? Oh God! Can I plead the fifth? No, you have to pick one of them. I don't have I don't have the numbers in front of me. I would say this isn't an analytics podcast. You just got to go with your gut. Oh wait, it is an. Analytics. I don't know. Well, what would your gut say? I mean, I, I would. My gut would. I mean, like if it's Flacco, if it's but... if it's today, my gut would say Flacco. Yeah. Because I think Eli's Eli's old. old. But if it was in their quote-unquote heyday, I don't know, man. Being a Patriots fan, it's pretty hard to uh, to to feel like Eli didn't have something something that Flacco never really had. Flacco handed the Patriots some pretty big losses, also. So both of those guys were have been or have a reputation as being good playoff quarterbacks, though. I think we're gonna put we're gonna put a poll up to say who who you pick in their heyday, Eli or Flacco. People are going to say Eli for the Super Bowl just because of his performance in Super Bowls in the past. Yeah, well, but but you you don't people forget you know he had those two four and Super Bowl runs, but he he never won another playoff game his whole career. Every other year is one and done. The yeah. years that he did make the playoffs, which I think were only four other years. Yeah. So. Okay, uh, let's move on uh, to this week's. Oh, before we go on to. Man versus machine. Um, let's quickly. Uh, did you do you have any value on the total in the college game? I don't. No. Do you agree with the line move? The line move it opened at what forty eight, forty nine is down to forty five. I completely agree. I make it forty three and a half. Okay. So now, would you have had value at forty eight? Yes, for sure. Actually, I'm trying to see if I put the weather in yet. Where Where is this game being played? <laughs> it's in a. Is dome. it indoors? We're dumb. Okay, hold on. So, so we're gonna uh, put, gonna put 70, weather, 72 right? degrees, 72 <laughs> degrees, no wind, yeah. artificial turf, no precipitation, no grass. 
But there is um, the cyclone boom going on outside of the ah, state. 44.9. Sorry, not 43.5. 44.9. So, it's pretty so much I would have had value pretty, under 48. It's pretty much pinned right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, man versus machine. So we'll next week, or at the end of the year, we'll recap the complete man versus machine. Um, but I did want to make a point and do a victory lap that I did end up beating Rufus in our bowl contest. And um, maybe one lucky listener will get to come to dinner with us in Vegas. Um, and Ooh, where, where are we going? I don't know. We're going to have steaks or something, right? We either have steaks or we'll go to Milos, one of the two. I do love we'll Milos. Go, we'll, go we'll go big. Yeah, I'm going to order some wine. We're going to do this whole thing up right when do you get to Vegas? The, you get to Vegas for Super Bowl, right? Twenty third. I get to Vegas the twenty third. You know what? You know what day the twenty third is, right? Um, a Tuesday. My birthday. Really? Yeah. Well, let me guess. What? I, I, I'm I'm trying to remember how old you are. Let me guess. Like forty four. Forty five. Forty five. Ah. Forty five effing years old, which is just crazy to me. Just crazy. Um. Yeah, I ended up. Last week, um, having a pretty good end to the bowl season, um, the four games that we disagreed on, I went three and one on. Um, they were Georgia, um, UCF, NC State, and then I lost the um, Memphis game, and you had Iowa State, so ended up beating you. We did the we UCF did, game. Yeah, you. Yeah. I think I was slightly under 500, right? And you were a little over 500. Yeah, I was like 21 and 18. It wasn't like yeah. anything to write home about. But I mean, most yeah. of those games, most of those games are ones where we didn't have an opinion. Like basically, all except like you know a handful. But that UCF Auburn game was was quite good. I actually did see a lot of that. It was and a great I, game, and I think it was like a. I think I, and maybe this is narrative in retrospect, but I do think it was one of those games where probably a lot of preparation um, was done better by UCF than Auburn going into that game. I think on the day of the game, I think everyone's sort of equally motivated, but you know, Auburn went from thinking they were going to play for the national championship to having to play this non power five team. Um, and UCF is, you know, got everything still going to, to be undefeated and they got the emotion with their coach sticking around to keep them around. And again, like, you know, if beforehand we'd said this and, and maybe maybe it would mean something now, it's just a silly narrative. But this is right. like an example of like, how do you figure out what's going on in these teams' heads? Because everyone kept saying like, oh, if Auburn just shows up, they're going to win this game by, you know, double digits. Right. I mean, I, I think it's a great example. Good, yeah, they are. And I think it's a great example, though, of, of a narrative like that narrative may be true right now, but it's not something we knew ahead of time. You, you Auburn it was, could it was be not something we knew for certainty for certain ahead of time, but right. UCF just, could have been disappointed too because their coach is leaving and it's and and they yeah, sure you, they would have said like oh the distractions that Scott Frost has felt like coaching they should get a chance to play for national title or or to have a chance. I mean, and they didn't. And well, this is the this is the this is like when you get back to our first ever podcast. This is like the four versus eight versus sixteen argument. I I think UCF prove that day that they absolutely should have had a chance to play for a national championship. The fact that they went undefeated and ended up beating a team that played competitively with all the teams pretty much. Yeah. Competitively. And a team that a lot of people thought was the best team in college football a few weeks before. Yeah. And that, that game, 
you know, UCF did not get lucky to win that game. That oh, game, no, they, they, what's that? Not at all. You're right. Yeah, they they played very very well. All right, um, let's did, move by on. By the way, did you, did you have UCF in the second half there? No, it no, which really surprised me that we didn't. I I looked at it and I couldn't believe it. I I like checked it twice and I was like, we we didn't. But I was surprised that we didn't. You must have, right? You found, yeah, I found, like, I got killed on second half bowl games for a number of years. And then I actually found that there are some substantial differences um, between how, between bowl games and other games in terms of how team, how the first half relates to the second half and and things like that. I don't want to get into too much detail, but. Yeah. So I actually, I mean, I do some sort of, I do some model averaging, but but I definitely probably wouldn't have been on UCF. If it well, was we've, we've talked about this before, and and we've tended to do much better than you have in bowls. Um, this year, we, I think we were a little bit over. We we won in the bowls. Um, we started off amazing, and then we lost our last few. We didn't have that many plays. I don't know how many how many plays did you end up having in the bowls? Not not a ton, but but I think I had a, I had a lot the last. Uh, I had a lot on New Year's Day. I guess it was. Was it New Year's Day? Yeah. Well, you said you went. To, oh, like I had, South, I had South Carolina. I had UCF. I, and I basically swept. It was, it was a really good day. Nice, nice. But, I mean, over, overall, it was a solid bowl season for sure in terms of the second halves. But and, and it was and last season was very good as well. But the the maybe three or four years before that, it seemed like every year we got killed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to NFL man versus machine. Okay, let's do it. Start up the machine. City is an eight and a half point favorite hosting Tennessee. Um, that's the, is that the that's the four five matchup. Uh, the machine makes the line Tennessee plus five and likes Tennessee as a result. Hmm. What do yeah. you what do you think about that game? I like Tennessee also. I think Kansas City has just been a very they're a team that's benefited. I mean, stop me if I've said this in previous years, but they benefited a ton from turnovers this year. And Tennessee actually has not so much. And, and there's just not that big a gap between these two teams. Yeah. Um, okay. Agreed. And I think everyone's kind of whooping boy on Tennessee. So I think that's why there's value there. Yeah. Uh, Rams, six and a half point favorites hosting the Falcons. I make that game 6.4. So I have absolutely nothing. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have a good feel on that one. Yeah, the Rams, by the way, in terms of my in-season numbers, I was just looking at this, like the individual game grades and then adding up all the different ex- like score difference expectancies, and they were number one in the NFL by a full uh, 13.6 points over New England. They were, they, over, they were 94 points better fundamentally than their opponents, um, although in reality they, they performed 149 points better. But, uh, but yeah, those, those teams, like neither of them are – neither of them were – really lucky or unlucky if you want to look at like turnovers and things like that it doesn't seem like you know yeah although wait I'll, I'll say this the rams uh their opponents missed eight more field goals than they did most in the nfl so they're good at making people miss field goals yeah yeah 
Okay, moving on. We don't have a pick there. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite hosting the Buffalo Bills. I make that 7.4, so I guess I will take Buffalo plus eight-and-a-half. Yeah, I, I like Buffalo also. Can't give eight-and-a-half points with Jacksonville still. No, I think Jacksonville has been a very lucky team as well. I mean, both these teams are lucky to uh, to be where they are, but, but Jacksonville has, uh, I think they have seven... They had seven defensive touchdowns this season. That's kind of crazy. They've been they've been good in the turnover department as well. Um, yeah, they're they're not nearly the the juggernaut that they're uh, plus. Whoa, plus one hundred and fifty point differential this season. Did I read that wrong? <laughs> no, because they blew a lot of teams out. That doesn't surprise they, they me. Did. They did, but still, that it, that's insanity. Given that the fact that that they fundamentally they rank like tenth in terms of um, fundamental score uh, differential this season, they should have been plus twenty three. They just yeah, plus ten turnover margin. They have one hundred and fourteen fewer penalty yards than their opponents. Yeah, basically everything went their way. Okay, All right, and finally, last game, last game. We have New Orleans Saints. Is a six and a half to seven point favorite. That looks like you can get minus seven, uh, plus one eleven at Pinnacle right now, or you could get um, minus six and a half at minus one fifteen at Five Dimes. Um, I think Five Dimes actually in the screen I'm looking at is one of the only places at six and a half. So I don't know what we're going to grade that at. Um, but I make that number Carolina plus four point eight. So either way, I'll take Carolina. Yeah, I knew you were going to like Carolina just from. You know, they, these, so this is an interesting rating, right? These two teams played earlier, like, what, three weeks ago? And New Orleans opened as, what, a four, three-and-a-half, four-point favorite. It got bet up. Um, they won they obviously, big, didn't they? Uh, yeah, they won. I think they ended up winning by 11 or something like that, but they were up a couple scores most of the game. Um, I also like Carolina there, too. I mean, essentially, essentially like, I don't know. Th- this is what I'm seeing here is that, you have the combination of favorites covering recently. You have the idea that favorites um, have covered. They were 4-0 last year in this round. And you're just seeing value on the dogs because of um, all of that sort of like inertia or momentum on the favorites. I am surprised at how high these lines are because these do not really seem like huge mismatches in any particular game. So you're you know, so in- without without um, I think is, is Shady McCoy out for the Bills? I think that's the conventional that's, wisdom. I don't think yeah. they've announced it for sure or whatnot. Um, did you, in this case, um, so you're saying that Buffalo and Tennessee and Carolina are all games that you're going to play, right? Carolina and Tennessee. For sure. But not Buffalo. Not Buffalo. I make that 7.4 and the market's 8.5. Okay. I think I might have found a nice money line somewhere, but that's not, I mean, you're not getting much limits there, so. Got it. All right. Well, there we go. We got no disagreements, man versus machine this week. Um, we definitely lean towards the underdogs this week, um, with the exception of maybe Atlanta, where we don't really see any real value there. Uh, any value in the totals in those games? I was about to ask you if you see any on, on those totals. Uh, I haven't run. We haven't run our numbers yet, or I haven't seen our numbers yet. Um, I'm looking at them right now at first blush. Um I don't have anything here. I make the let's see. I make uh, Tennessee Kansas City forty five point two, and the market's at forty four and a half. 
or actually, let me make, update my market and see. I make Atlanta and the Rams 47.6, market's at 48.5. I make Buffalo Jacksonville 41.3, the market's at 39.5, actually down to 39 now. So, um, but we do have potential injury uh, situation there. And then Carolina, New Orleans, I make 50.2, market's at 48.5. So, Nothing, uh, no different, only one that's potentially even a marginal play, and that's Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo Jacksonville over. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our pod this week. Um, thanks for joining us as always. And uh, next week, we will hopefully be celebrating a bunch of futures wins um, and uh, thinking about some underdog upsets in the first round of the NFL playoffs. Hopefully, although you know what's funny is that all all my futures teams are playing each other this week. Mm-hmm. So I guess do you, I'll have, do you not have any New England futures? I do have a little bit, yeah. I mean, but I have I have some Tennessee that I got at like two fifty to one back way back when. I have Kansas City I got early in the season, which is not no longer plus EV. I have uh, some Buffalo I got at crazy odds as well. I'm but the teams I'm definitely biggest on are Jacksonville and Carolina. I also picked up some New Orleans midseason, so. Basically, every team except Atlanta and the Rams this round, I have some futures uh, stake in. Nice. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll talk to you next week.